Previously on Other Men Need Help. In my 20s, I moved to South America, and then Dylan showed up. When they would talk about him, women actually used to make this sound. I decided to write him an email. I wondered if you had about 30 minutes to chat via phone about Chile. Wait, so you're going to go to him and say, like, hey, this is a thing I've been like thinking about and talking to people about? While Mark waited to hear back from Dylan, the whole situation made him reflect on a girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, who also made him feel, eh, not so great. It was the same feeling as when I stood next to Dylan in South America. My heart sank. And just when he'd given up, Mark got an email. From Dylan. I just moved to Astoria. Holy shit. So he'd be down for a chat in person as well, maybe grab a beer and catch up. Now on to the episode. Tio Jorge was this distant relative who has these really striking photographs of him over the years. I was at my cousin's place a while ago, and I was going through his family albums. Page after page were these black and whites to color prints with this really cool pattern. Family members stand around Tio Jorge, who was always seated in the middle. Usually his wife was standing stoically by his side in every single photo. I get moved by looking at the archives of elders. Now, seeing Tio Jorge sitting with such grace and power made me ask, do I hold a quiet dignity? Am I leaving a strong enough legacy? And, like, what's my pose? Because the legacy captured in these photos of a paternal figure has a very strong impact on me. I said something like, wow. And my cousin said, yeah, you like how my dad is sitting in all these photos? My dad's second wife was taller than him. Viejo didn't want to stand next to her. She, like, cast a shadow over him. I said, for real? My cousin says, yeah. Every time they take a photo, he'd say, someone find me a chair. And I thought, hmm, good strategy. I'm Mark Pagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need Seats. Dylan agreed to meet me for an interview. And a few weeks before this episode was completed, I was standing outside of a building in Queens waiting for him. I hadn't seen him for 10 years. After a decade, a part of me always wonders, what has life done to their body? (laughs) After a few minutes of waiting, an Uber sedan pulls up. And there's Dylan, looking just the same as he did the last time I saw him. A year before I ever met Dylan, I was living in New York, and my college girlfriend and I broke up. It was my first heartbreak, and I did not like the man I saw in the mirror every day. I kept thinking, I need to do something to make myself desirable again. In hindsight, it probably would have helped to talk this out with some peers, but in my experience, I don't open up that often about my insecurities. When these memories came flooding back, I got really curious about what other men would change about themselves. I mean, it's a blessing to have facial hair. Some people can't grow it fully. I couldn't do a breakup beard. It's like a breakup goatee. That's all I could do. 
I can't grow a beard. But I can grow a magnificent mustache. Yeah, I, 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 I can grow a decent Fu Manchu. For the yes. record, I am Chinese. I wish my jawline was more defined. I wanted my nose to be smaller and not so crooked. I want to be like so fit. I want to be cut. Sometimes I do like, I want to be that physically strong. I like my shape now, but I just want to have like, you know, the, 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 the package, you know? The look. I got the package, but I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, abs and chest and all that and like a really, you know, gravity defying booty. One thing kept coming up. Every American man at least, affected by American media, wants to be really be you want to be six three to six four. And I'm not like I'm not like six five either. I'm like six feet. But I know like that definitely does help in some ways. Right. I'm 5'11". I play, you know, college football for a little bit. I, I also wish I was a little bit taller. I've always wanted to be taller. I should mention, I'm 5'6". I hadn't really thought about my height since starting college. A big reason was because I had a girlfriend who was very psyched on me, and I didn't realize how much of my self-esteem was based on her positive feedback. This breakup kick-started all of these old feelings of inadequacy from when I was younger. The feelings I had when standing next to growing football players and lanky, cool guy skater punks and thinking, uh, should I be drinking more milk? So I was like, can I get taller? Is that a thing that's possible as an adult? If you Googled getting taller, in 2004, one of the top options would be a leg lengthening surgery. And it looks awful and expensive. But I looked into it. It was a tab open on my browser along with IMDb where I'd look at photos and careers of shorter celebrities. One day, while switching between the tabs, I came across a trailer for the motorcycle diaries on IMDb. The movie tells the story of Che Guevara's road trip through South America, a road trip that led him to become the rebel hero Che Guevara. They're on a road to forget who they were and discover who they are. Something clicked. Go to South America. That's it. I opened up a third tab on Internet Explorer, and kept searching until I found this organization that was looking for volunteers in Santiago, Chile. I had mostly pure goals. I wanted to try working with kids. I wanted to improve my Spanish. I wanted to travel. But I had a makeover in mind. I figured I'd get down there and show up into town on a bus. No, 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 no. What, what am I talking about? On a motorcycle. Wait horse. I'll show up on a horse into a dusty town and I'll say, where are your kids? I'm here to save them. Okay, that sounds creepy. I'll work on it. But you get the idea. While I'm there, some sort of coup or insurrection will happen and I'll be bringing children to safety and some associated press photographer will snap a photo of me with a child on my shoulders. It'll appear on the cover of Time with the headline, The New Heroes of the Revolution. My ex will see it, and then she'll disintegrate into a fog of regret, saying, Why did I let him go? Yeah. So I went to Chile, 
with the hope of bringing back not only my ex, but my self-esteem. And I didn't want to be reminded of anything from back home, like being shadowed by a taller, handsome American. Uh, you're not nervous or anything, are you? I'm a little. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous, but I think I'm that's ready. good. I'm ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was also nervous. I knew kind of what I wanted to say, but I didn't know why I wanted to say it. The part of the reason that the reason that you're here, and when I first came to Chile, like I'm getting attention, like I was with the ladies, you know, and I was working with kids and all this stuff. But then this dude shows up from Harvard. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. And the women were so enamored with you. I was like, well, who is this guy? And I looked at him. I was like, oh, my God, oh, this man. guy here. Like, you realize, you must realize that you have a presence when you walk in. You're a handsome guy. You're very intelligent. You're a big person. Do you have an understanding of how you are received in the world? Can you, I don't know if you can, I don't know how to articulate blushing on, on a podcast, but. This is a little bashful. It's not the first time someone's told me, like, dude, when you walk in the room, it's like, it's noticeable. Like, people have said that to me when I was living in Chile. I remember walking into, you know, to a bar, to a club, to a restaurant or whatever, and just people would just turn around and stare. Maybe some people might, might like that. I think I always found it just, like, uncomfortable. To give you some background, Dylan and I worked in an organization that provided services to 12 orphanages, community centers, and schools in the Santiago metropolitan area. At the time that I was in South America, I was really basing a lot of my self-esteem on women's approval, while Dylan was just trying to stay out of the way of women, especially in the orphanages and community centers we worked in. So many times they'd be, you know, working and they'd be coming around the corner and I'd be standing there and they would just drop laundry baskets, they'd drop plates and they'd be like, oh my God, they'd freak out. They were not accustomed to just being around people that large. And uh, it's sort of funny, but it was also like, oh man, I'm scaring people. Am I not helping? Am I perpetuating some terrible gringo domination of South America in some way, you know, like, ugh. I found over the years that when I encounter men, I'll get a little tense. I think some of that has to do with height. There's a part of me that tenses up and strains my body to reach their height. And there's another part that's protective. Like, what if this dude turns out to be the Incredible Hulk? But when men can be conscious of that, I don't think I've ever admitted this. But there's something about it that says you are safe. I do try to think about, like, am I using my height as a tool of power right now? Like, should I, should I sit down? Should I adjust my body position to, like, not be towering over people? You know, if you're in a disagreement with somebody, don't stand up to full height and, like, use that as a way of, like, getting your points across, which a lot of people, tall people do. And one of the things that was so curious to me about Dylan was his consciousness of all of this, especially from an all-American-looking white dude from Ivy League, New England. It seems like a sense of awareness that I would hope I would have the strength to have. I asked him if there was anything he could remember in terms of experiences that helped him realize who he was. My first year of college, I did a thing called the First Year Urban Program. It's basically the, the community service orientation for first years at Harvard. 
you go to a community service project. It was really the first time that like coming from a extremely white, very wealthy boarding school that I was sort of confronted with people from different backgrounds, particularly women of color who are like tall white guys threatened me. And that was like the first time I sort of like, oh my gosh, I do have this impact on people without even saying or doing anything. I asked Dylan a question that launched me into getting in touch with him in the first place. Have you ever felt the need to compete against the ex of one of your partners? Absolutely. So I told him about Pablo. She picked me up at a bar. That's never happened to me before. Okay. And I told him about how he was this handsome ex of my girlfriend. That's what I wanted her to see me as, you know what I mean? She had to make me feel better by telling me about his sleep apnea and mask and how the whole thing made me track Dylan down. So I had to go there to make me feel better. Partly to find out whether this guy, who I thought was so untouchable, whether he ever went through the same thing. Do you feel intimidated by other men? And this is when something unexpected happened. Rather than talk about intimidation. I think I do get intimidated by people who are like, who dress really cool or have, you know, cool tattoos. Um, You have a cool tattoo, actually. He started complimenting me. I do? Yeah. Oh. Don't you? I, <laughs> yeah. I got three tattoos, so yeah. hopefully one of them is. You have the one on the inside of the, the bicep. I do. Right? Yeah. I remember that. I was like, dude, that is a cool tattoo. I think your beard is awesome, by the way. Um, super fresh. I think there's still a part of me waiting on skater punks and football players to be like, come on, you're one of us. I'm very moved by a number of things that men are capable of doing. And one of those things is when a man says, basically, your presence affected me. So I gave it a shot with Dylan. And the positive sense of this, like you made a major impression on me. And I I think Hmm. it's not just the physical, there's an embodiment of the man that I met and the man that I got to know that's a really positive embodiment of masculinity. And and, uh, I admire a lot of your attributes, and not just physically, but I think you're you're just a dynamite person. I I really I I appreciate that, and I'm I'm super happy that that uh, we got to connect. Did I want a reaction? Kind of, but here's an honest takeaway from our conversation. I mislabel competition with men for what I think is often curiosity and a need for acknowledgement. I don't know that that's a bad thing, to want acknowledgement and affection from a peer or from somebody I literally look up to. But saying I need that is a big step, guys. Let's give ourselves a good work, good work. But I wanted Dylan to offer me one last indulgence. (laughs) So this is what he looks like. You may or may not... (laughs) oh my gosh thoughts dude you are totally better looking than that guy come on man this week's episode was produced by Mark Pagan Ben Goldberg Tim Viermansour and Rebecca Seidel Special thanks to Annie Bruns, Neruda Williams, Adam Bosco Mejedin, Michael Gioret, Stephen DeMeo, 
and Christopher Torres. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. And don't forget to rate and review because it is a huge help. Sign up for our newsletter at OtherMenNeedHelp.com and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Other Men Need Help. For those in New York, we're having a live event on Thursday, November 2nd at the Crane Theater. More info is on our website. All proceeds will be going to relief efforts in Puerto Rico. Okay, that's it. Until next time, we'll see you in a few weeks. Ciao, ciao. Adios. Bye. Someone find me a chair. Someone find me a pleasant disposition. Someone find me a place beyond the pines. The DVD with Ryan Gosling. Someone find me rubies. Someone give me an answer to this question. What would I buy for myself as a way to make myself feel better in the spa? Would I buy something for my neck? Because my neck sometimes hurts. It hurts in winter. It hurts in spring. It hurts in summer, fall, but that's not all. My neck, my back, my crack. Oh, this is where that song went. And now I am the count. I am singing this on Halloween. So it is going to turn into Fiddler on the Roof right now, rich man, rich man. That's how quickly things can change on Halloween Day.